wonder what the literature your professor made you read has to do with your life and your world? Oftentimes, it's a lot more than you think. Whether it's a connection to the latest blockbuster or a recent social movement, my guests and I are here to share with you some of the parallels we see between these so-called great works of literature and the modern world. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca L. Salois, a world literature professor at Baruch College in New York City who loves literature, pop culture, and current events. Welcome back to Why Do We Read This? Hello, everyone. It's been a minute since we released an episode of Why Do We Read This? But I was privileged enough to teach a section of Brute College's Great Works of Literature Part 1 course in the spring 2022 semester, and I wanted to highlight some of the student projects that had been completed. The final project that I assigned to my literature students asked them to compare one of the works of literature we read in class to pop culture from the 21st century. I give students three options in terms of how they might wish to present their research. They could complete a standard six to eight page paper, they could create an instructional video, or they could record a podcast episode. I had a handful of students choose to create a podcast episode this past semester, and this is something that many of them had never tried before, so I'm proud of them for stepping out of their comfort zones and trying something new. I was so impressed with their work that I asked each of the students who submitted a podcast episode for their permission to share their research on this platform. Three students from the class, one with a solo project and the other two working together, granted me that permission, and I'll be sharing their work here with you today. Their projects will be presented as they created them with minimal editing for sound levels and similar such issues. I have not edited them for content. In this episode, I'll be featuring projects completed by Comparative Literature 2800 students Sean Robbie, Rigi Gessi, and Joanna Gustafson. Sean's project compares the tortoise from Aesop's fable The Tortoise and the Hare to the anime character Naruto. In particular, he focuses on how these characters challenge expectations by achieving goals that are deemed impossible and overcoming criticism from those around them. Joanna and Rigi focus on the prologue from The Thousand and One Nights and consider the consequences that women face, compared to that of men, when they are unfaithful. They look at how female characters' lives change in the face of infidelity in this text, as well as in two separate Netflix television series, Dark Desire and Sex Life. Both projects address texts from distinct cultures from different historical periods. These students were able to draw parallels with contemporary works in order to demonstrate the relevance of these works in our society today. Hello, welcome to How to Achieve the Impossible. Today, I'll be talking about Aesop's fables, specifically the tortoise and the hare. And the pop culture media that I chose is Naruto, as I think the reading goes well with Naruto's life story. And there are many similarities between the tortoise and Naruto in terms of challenging what is known as impossible by the society. The tortoise having the courage to challenge the hare despite society's criticism and tortoise perseverance to win the race. Similarly, Naruto was criticized by society of his idealistic goal and was hated by all, but he stuck to achieving his goal. Even though both are different and have different goals, how does their story connect? Can they achieve their goal? Furthermore, does Hera also have someone to relate to? If so, who could it be and do they have a similar story? 
So our main idea or thesis of this podcast is both the tortoise and the hero in Naruto are tales of overcoming impossible obstacles. But it is both Naruto's and the tortoise's perseverance and courage that allow them to achieve such impossible things. Naruto trying to become Okage while tortoise is trying to win the race. Naruto is hated by all and is treated like an outcast. People criticize and make fun of his dreams and judge him, also discourage him. Similarly, Tortoise is naturally at a disadvantage against Hera. Everyone also judged him based on his appearance. However, both were able to achieve what seems to be an impossible task in the eyes of society through perseverance and courage. Um, a quote from the Tortoise and the Hera. The Hera, however, lay down to take a nap, confidence the speed of his feet. And when, he, when the hero eventually made his way to the finish line, he found that the tortoise had already won. So here we can see that he basically, the tortoise has good natural abilities. At first, everyone, everyone thought that he's actually going to win and it was just, tortoise was just going to lose. Because tortoise natural ability shows that he's actually going to lose. He couldn't possibly win against hero from society's point of view. Well, we can see that here, Hera clearly could win the race, but he was way too confident and chose to underestimate his opponent. Well, the tortoise, despite being at a disadvantage, chose to believe in himself and continue toward his goal. His perseverance led him to win against the Hera, which is pretty much impossible due to the Hera's natural ability. So, here we can see that the tortoise is very courageous. I mean, just thinking about it, he knows that he is at a disadvantage, yet he chose to challenge the Hera. I mean, if he lose, he, if he lost, and people would just make fun of him for even challenging him, and he, his status in society would just go down. Despite all that, he, he decided to take that risk to challenge Hera. And in fact, at the end, what seems a beginning was impossible, he was able to actually accomplish it by winning the race. Similarly, Naruto's goal was to become the Hokage, strongest person in the village who leads, protects the village, and the most respected in the village. His goal is pretty much impossible to achieve because he has no one supporting him and is feared and hated by everyone in the village. He was also the worst in the academy. He was always treated like an outcast because of the beast that was healed in him by his father when the village was attacked by the beast known as Ninetales. So here we see that um, Naruto lost, um, just a uh, little information about Naruto, he lost his parents uh, while the beast attacked. They basically sacrificed themselves to get the beast sealed in Naruto to save the village. In the process, Naruto basically lost everything. Well, he just that just ruined his childhood and pretty much his life at the beginning because because of that incident everyone hates him everyone fears him and on top of that he's not even that good uh, in the academy and his goal is to become the hokage someone who's like the strongest and is like most respected um and loved and someone who protects the whole village so someone with no skills literally like very weak skills very bad in academy someone who is who's not even recognized by your people how can someone who like that become the hokage 
it, it looks like an impossible goal at first, right? So the fact that he was able to have that courage to say that he wants to become the Hokage and make that his goal shows just how much he, how brave he is. And we can we can see his perseverance uh, by the fact that he actually became the Hokage in the end and was acknowledged by everyone in this village. It's, he was like the most loved person in the village. So here we can see the similarity between Hera and Naruto, how they were something that seemed like at first was impossible, actually became possible. And their courage to actually take that step. And similarly, let's see, on the other hand, uh, Naruto's teammate Sasuke is smart and very skilled. He's like by his classmates and is very popular although he ignored everyone is mostly focused on his goal of taking revenge on his older brother who killed his whole clan except for him that goal changed after he killed his brother he wanted to become the hokage and he decided that he will become the hokage i mean someone who's very skilled and uh, pretty much liked by everyone like people around him and pretty very smart person I and mean, he's like quick on thinking and all it's very smart he had like a higher possibility of becoming the Hokage but at the end it seems Naruto becomes much stronger at least that is said that he's like the strongest person in the village so he becomes the strongest person and ends up becoming the Hokage just like how um, Toros defeated Hera Connecting the prime, connecting the Taurus and Hero and Naruto to machine intelligence and human ingenuity can achieve the impossible. So this is a uh, machine intelligence and human ingenuity can achieve the impossible is like um, just another source. There are like uh, other two sources that I'll also be talking about, and I'll be connecting them to the primary sources. And um, here, so let's first talk about machine intelligence and human ingenuity can achieve the impossible. So I'll just pick a quote from here and I'll talk about that and expand on it. Uh, indeed, the quote starts, Indeed, a forward look reveals required skills, emerging strategies, innovative technology, and lessons learned about cultivating talent and organizational change. This forward look provides a guide to thinking and acting as a leader, in particular developing what we call future power. This is the ability to apply specific leadership techniques in league with data science technologies to possibilities and shape the future. The idea of combining human intelligence with data science to predict and shape the future, basically using data to make an accurate decision, is interesting looking at today's technology advancements. I mean, in 1800s, it would be thought as something that's like impossible to achieve, but as we can see that with today's um today's technology advancements it is possible if you view the technology advancement from the point of view of someone from 1800s then it would seem impossible to achieve just like how the tortoise winning the race or not to become a hokage seemed impossible i mean just think about it like um these electric cars being built and you know helping the environment that it's having an electric car as like you know daily mode of transport seemed like very unlikely even in 2000s i mean it was not even like known by anyone but look at it, it's pretty um 
pretty uh, famous today. I mean, very popular today. And many people are going elect buying electric cars. Um, the second secondary source I'll connect to is is resilience and perseverance for human flourishing. Um, so the quote is: There has been less research and development on factors and inter interventions that can build resilience, that is, prevent or reduce negative effects of trauma before one's set of disorder. Resilience and perseverance is, in the face of adversity is essential for human flourishing across a variety of population and settings and across the human lifespan. So the author is emphasizing that conducting additional research to understand and build resilience in patients to the patient patients to the patients who experience traumatic events it's essential because it can help to overcome not just the tra traumatic events but everyday obstacles basically there should be some understanding of how to make people continue to perseverance no matter what obstacle comes in the way especially uh, for certain obstacles like COVID-19 I mean as you can see we need people to like, like be strong and like um, have that goal in mind that they will overcome through this um, something that seemed quite impossible at first with all the spread of COVID-19 um, now it is possible that we have a cure and society is going back to how it was so what's the message here we can see that as both give the message of pursuing perseverance and having the courage not to back out no matter the odds here we can see how people had that courage to actually fight COVID-19 just like how uh, Naruto and how I had the courage to declare that they would uh, achieve their idealistic goal what seems like an idealistic goal to the society and last but not least we're gonna connect it to the um, the last source we're gonna connect it to uh, is called editorial health for all an attainable goal or an idealistic goal idealistic dream so the quote is the concept of health for all which envisages the uh, attainment of a health level that permits all people to lead a um, socially and economically produ productive life has been the ideal guiding health strategies all over the world for the past two decades here this statement clearly seems like an idealistic goal i mean even right now it seems like an idealistic goal something that might not be possible to achieve but if you think from the examples of naruto and um tortoise uh, it may be possible to achieve in the future as long as they continue to pursue this goal until it is actually accomplished so what's the message here we can see that the message is pretty pretty clear like there's this idealistic goal people have her first but then they don't give up and they continue to pursue through perseverance and have the courage to actually face it and then though it takes time but it is possible to achieve what seems like an idealistic goal so it might be possible to achieve it in the future so in conclusion um something 
we see like in all these examples is that throughout all these examples is that it is clear that something may seem like impossible or idealistic at first but with time perseverance and courage it could be possible to achieve um it could be possible to achieve though it may take a little longer or you know just at the beginning you might see like it's something that's impossible but you just hold on to it and keep going toward it pursue it and you might be able to achieve it and that concludes my podcast welcome everyone my name is johanna and my name is Rigi. this is our first podcast so please do not observe our mistakes if there will be any in the next minutes yes um thank you today we're going to present another point of view of the reading the thousand and one nights which consists of the women as the main character of the scene, and it will be about how a woman's life changes after she cheats. We will argue for women's rights in everyday life and explain why women should not have consequences on that level of action when it comes to things such as cheating. We will also analyze the reasons why the issue is presented in these particular ways based on our, based on our citations and the events from Sex Life and Dark Desire, which are two TV series on Netflix that we will talk more about. And we will also refer to some articles and books. Okay. So of all our readings during this semester, the one that attracted us the most is the prologue from the Thousand One Nights because of how the whole story evokes how women are not allowed to cheat and that the men just take the right to kill them. This podcast will focus on trying to fight for women's rights in everyday life based on all the examples we'll be using to show how women were treated during history. We are also planning to draw parallels between multiple women in each text. Yes, and a little bit about 1001 Nights. It is a collection of Middle Eastern folk tales compiled in Arabic during the Islamic Golden Age. It is often known in English as the Arabian Nights from the first English language edition, which rendered the title as the Arabian Nights Entertainment. The story is about two kings who also are brothers, Shariar and Sharasad. Sorry, uh, Rigi, correct me if I'm pronouncing this wrong. Um, but one day, the younger brother, I'm going to use them as younger brother and older brother because that's going to make it easier. So the younger brother, Sharasad, requests for his older brother, Shariar, to come and visit um, and ask the older brother is about to leave and go visit, he finds his wife laying in the arms of the kitchen boy. When he finds this out or when he sees it, he sees black and he ends up killing both the wife and the kitchen boy. And he also at this time says women are not to trust. Uh, however, he proceeds on his journey to go visit his brother um, but he becomes very depressed. Um, and as he is about to tell his brother about the story, or after he told him, 
Um, his brother responded, Brother, you were fortunate in killing your wife and her lover, who gave you good reason to feel troubled, careworn, and ill. So basically you're saying that he says that he is fortunate because the wife gave him a good reason to kill her, just like she wants her his property? Yeah, um, just like that, I guess, exactly. Um, well, later on in the story, they find out that the King Sharasad's wife also was cheating um, on him. And he becomes very, very angry and also kills his wife. And on top of that, he declares that all women are the same. And he decides to take a new bride each night and have her killed the next morning. There is a lot to be said in the way they viewed women back then. Uh, just like objects that you can kill whenever she doesn't please you and do whatever you like. Kind of the theme that they are giving out through the story. Oh, that's too much to be handled. He'll be killing women every night. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine really a show or something like that happened today. Um, yeah, basically. yeah. So going on, we will talk about the source, the unifying Islamic factor. And this is the first source, source we're going to use. Uh, and this is the first quote. The European audience was more enthusiastic towards the newcomer and its power of storytelling, new techniques, variety of characters and events as it shows the way how the Thousand One Nights expressed the Islamic reality that was unknown from the other part of the world. Women were always supposed to do something, to act in a special way, to follow men's rules in order to get married and be considered a good wife and woman. Here we are presented with two contrasts, which are the European and Islamic worlds, the way how women in these readings were seen and thought about the way they, they live and they were thought by men, it's different from the way of how women were considered in the Islamic world. Yeah, and um, also in this other article that we found, the mansion and the rubbish mound, which is a journal about Arabic literature uh, with a purpose to assess specific tales in the, in the Thousand and One Nights, uh, in the context of Arabic narrative tradition. Um, they are also stating, for example, one quote, uh, he leaves behind the course and the insipid, which he associates with women and their like. These texts are written to put the women in a negative and bad position. And it is very clear how most of the men viewed women back then. And it is not that hard to be imagined because we still confront different kinds of opinions by men, even in real life. As we said from the beginning, we're going to compare this situation with nowadays movies or shows which will help us better express our attention. That's right. So today we're going to talk about the two shows, Dark Desire and Sex Life. Before starting, just let me tell you that no matter how dramatic your love life is, it's boring compared to Dark Desire. 
This is a Netflix Mexican romantic thriller, which started with a simple premise. A law professor, a law professor, sorry, a law professor started having an affair with her hunk of a student and it changed her whole life. What started as a casual fling for this law professor turns into a nightmare for her soon. Everything starts when she discovers that her husband of 20 years was cheating behind her back with his secretary. So she decides to spend the weekend away from home and stay at her friend's house. While she assumes things had have gone worse in her marriage is perhaps only the beginning of everything. Here's where she meets Dario while she was partying with her best friend. She pushes him way on different occasions, but every time he comes back in her life and he develops a fatal obsession with her. He enrolls into her classes in pursuit of the raunchy secret affair they once had. Alma finds herself drawn to Dario and the toxic sex play out over and over again until things take an outward turn. While Alma expects this affair not to be interrupt, not to interrupt her day-to-day life, it all changes. One thing leads to the other and her life gets shrouded in her best friend's Brenda's murder that reveals that her husband was actually cheating with Brenda too. So this pushes her more into his arms, into Darius's arms, which made him realize that Alma is actually in love with him. As the story continues, this situation gets more complicated for Alma and her dark secrets are revealed. Her husband and her daughter discover it and she ends up by losing her family first because her daughter doesn't want to see her anymore and her husband wants a divorce. And then she loses her job and her house too. She ends up alone, terrified psychologically, homeless, and unemployed. And here is where we want to put the first base of our comparison. Why should a woman be in this life position just because she cheated her husband, who cheated her twice? We all know that it's not right, neither fair. And we also know that all the consequences are because the fact that she's a woman. We're talking about the show who represents, which represents the 21st century, and more and more it is published in the 2020. Yeah, and I just want to emphasize that both me and Rizzi, right, do not think that cheating is good, neither that it is a solution more than a choice. We want to show the audience that it bothers us, the females, um, our more female rights are not put in the same scale as men's rights. Exactly. Thank you for pointing it out. The main reason I presented this movie is to express my angry emotions on the fact that she ended up alone and her husband lost just his job, but he had a life to continue and more choices. So, Johanna, do you want to tell us more about your show? Yes. So, Sex Life. Uh, which is a series on Netflix. It's about Billy, who is the mother of two young children. And she's married to her husband, Cooper. They are living this, let me say, very good family life out in Connecticut. I believe it was a stubborn New York. Uh, and uh, however, in the series, she starts going down a memory line from her past life before she had kids and before she was married. And she also started writing this diary and fantasizes daily about her past life and especially about her 
or yeah, her past lover, uh, this guy named Brad, that she had a previous relationship with and also apparently amazing sex with. She tries hard to stay in her current life and living situation, but as she mentions in the series, she she wants it all. And the sex part is missing for her. A little spoiler alert, she ends up staying and saying that she doesn't want to leave her husband Cooper, but she still goes and she with Brad in the end. Um, comparing this to the 1001 night, we can see that sex has been and is a major desire for all of us. And shockingly for y'all, even for us women. The major difference though, which isn't shocking, keeping in mind that 1001 Night was written in 1775 and sex life in 2020 is that the story about women and how they are viewed in sex life is much different. They show that it's okay for women to admit that we have desires, that we have sexual experiences, and that we want to have more of them. Billy, for example, is a smart Ivy League educated women living a successful life. And usually when you see a female character in her position or doing what she's doing, she's the bad girl and she gets punished for being wild while men are being praised for giving into their desires. And making a show about women who want a woman who wants sex, who is emotionally and physically fulfilled by partaking in this very normal human behavior is in and of itself a revolutionary act and it is very 20th century-ish, I believe. I mean, today we couldn't really make a show like 1001 Night. I think it would get totally rated by society. Um, Um, So sorry, but I have to interrupt you. I totally agree with you because... Besides the fact that I watched this show and thought a lot about the women as the main character, this is a good example for this comparison. It shows exactly what happened to to women and why she, in this case, thinks the way she does. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Thank you for mentioning that. Um, I wanted to add also that neither... um, a story like Sex Life ever would have been acceptable back in 1775. I think that having a show like Sex Life out today is good as it shows us that we came or we have came, come a little bit on the way towards fighting for women and their rights, or at least making it more acceptable. Um, And once again, I'm not saying that cheating is ever okay. I'm strongly against it, but just to stream a show that gives us a view on women and their desire, I believe it's great. And also the main message between these two works um, is definitely the fidelity. They both talk about relationships and and bring up the importance of taking care of each other, I guess. Yeah. So going on, we'll talk about the other source, our third one on cheating pictures and use the code the play shows 
the ways in which gender literally gets made in the Renaissance by invoking the relationship between the male painter and the female sitter with the traditional marriage relationship. By layering the two terms, the author explores the ways men attempt to control women through normalized structure. It shows us the way women were treated and not respected during that period. As we wanted to analyze women's lifestyle, we thought that by expressing the relationship between a man and women and the way how the husband treated his wife, we could present a better vision of the woman's pressure and disrespect through that time. What is noted is a general fear of women appearing in public because of their freedom to gaze and be upon by men other than uh, their husbands. In this source, we clearly see how women consider themselves like less than men and fear to be in the same room with them. Besides men thinking like that, women were raised with the same vision of being a person who lives behind men, under men's control. Yeah. Um, and then we also have this article, Women and Slaves, Gender Politics and the Arabic, Arabian Nights. Um, which also emphasizes masculine reflection on female sexuality as the underlying theme of the Arabian Nights. Um, this text is very interesting, and we found a very interesting sentence that we want to quote to finish this up. It says, Patriarchy is a dual system, a system in which men oppress women and in which men oppress themselves and each other, because a measure of one's manhood is the ability to control his women and to protect them from being appropriated by other men. We think that this summarizes the whole podcast with the definition of being a man. This quote that we both like the most, because it, this quote is the one that we like, both like the most, because it explains so well why women were in that situation during that time and also why there are still men and cultures that pursue these thoughts. Yes, basically, I think we, we got the best quote to end this up. So to wrap everything up, we're glad that our theme has this good connection with us as women, because women's war for their rights has always been going on. And we hope that our research, our literary research, make this audience more conscious about the reality. I really hope you enjoyed our first podcast and please let us know with a feedback. Yes, absolutely. Um, thank you so much and bye everyone. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that. Thanks again to Sean, Joanna and Rigi for being willing to share their work and contributing to the special episode. So what did you think? Share your thoughts with us. What do you think about the parallels that these students made? If you send me a message, I'll be sure to pass it on to them. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Why Do We Read This and on Instagram at WDWRT underscore podcast. While I'm not as active on those accounts these days, there will be updates for this episode and any future episodes. You can also send me a message or email at WhyDoWeReadThis at gmail.com. And hey, if you enjoyed this and other episodes of the podcast, you can always pick up a sticker or a mug or some other sort of item with our logo on it. There is a Redbubble link in the show notes.
Again, episode updates are not common at this point, but you can still subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts to check out our remaining episodes. If you enjoy the show, be sure to share it with your friends and family, professors, and classmates. And if you have a moment, be sure and leave a five-star review. And no matter how much time passes, remember, question all the things. (laughs) 